0: Amen. Have a seat. Great to see you, Promisers, from all of our campuses. Welcome. It is a thrilling new year, and we're so excited that you're with us. If you're a guest, you picked a perfect weekend to come. Uh, it, are all of our campuses, whether Campbell County or Anderson County, our North Knox, our Blount County, our Internet campus, which I love because some of our service men and women are able to stick with us, people that have moved, some of our missionaries around the world what is cool is there are people that are in Knoxville worshiping online with family members that are around the world. So there's just so many great things. Our internet campus, our Pellissippi campus, probably be a record attendance this weekend, and we'll beat that record next weekend. And God is at work. How many of you, this last two weeks, have been standing on the promises of God? I mean, promisers are confessing and believing. All right. Amen. Last weekend, our maiden voyage of 2016, we had 1,150 people more than we had our first weekend in 2015. So that is a great launch to a great new year. So we celebrate what God is doing. In my prayer time, actually sort of how I see that is, is, you know, we're one church, many locations. And I just, I see us as this great ship, the old ship of Zion. And man, we unfurl the sails and God just breathes into our sails just, just Holy Spirit momentum. And so, you know, as a leader, man, you, you got to love momentum. Because when you have momentum, it makes you look better than you really are. And when you don't have any momentum, it makes you look worse than you really are. We got any Alabama fans at any of our campuses this week? Anybody? All right. There's, there's four. Yes. Any Clemson fans? All right. Three of those. Here we go. I think they're all at the Campbell County campus. But if you're an Alabama or a Clemson fan, you're hoping for momentum tomorrow, right? You're wanting to, uh, to win a national championship. And so God is giving us momentum, and man, I love it. We're, if, you haven't, uh, if you're new, you had not been here, we gave out a book I wrote called 31, Without uh, 31 Days to Increase Your Faith. Uh, we have a prayer journal, which is what this is, in our 21 days of fasting. So we're in the 31-day devotion. We're in a 21-day fasting, launching our new year, believing God for great things. We're in the middle of a sort of a mini small group alignment with all of our adult groups, Uh, We shot some video out of some of the teachings of the book. Our group's department wrote questions, discussions. So if you're not in there, you're missing some of the stuff that you could get. By the way, and this is a huge deal, some some folks may not realize this, but in two weekends, the 23rd and the 24th, my mentor, a spiritual father to me, John Maxwell, uh, will be doing that weekend. If you do not know, if you Google John Maxwell, he is the Number one leadership guru on the planet of any secular, sacred, of any author, anybody. You look, he is the number one deal. Uh, very difficult guy to get. I'll you, John, was you doing a weekend. Glad to do it. And so John's going to be doing that weekend. It's an unbelievable weekend to invite your business, friends, and acquaintances. Next weekend, we'll have some invite cards for you that you can use that next week to invite them. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to rock. Our attendance goal this year, we're praying for 7,000 in average attendance this year. Now, we have never run 7,000 ever in an average weekend, regular non-production. We've never hit it. I think we'll probably hit it this weekend. We'll beat it again next weekend. Usually, January is our best month, but this year, we're going to make January the base that we're launching from as we have our greatest year that we've ever had. Anybody with that? So, All right, that's what we're going to do. <clears throat> Every year we have a theme. Our theme this year is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it's really hard. Is that what it says? Without faith, you got to work harder to please God. Is that what it says? Without faith, it's what? It's what? Impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that God is. Not was, not will be, but God is right now, right now, right on time, God. The God is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, Last weekend, first weekend, people were still gone traveling. Christmas, New Year, great. So, so glad, those of you that can get away. But if you miss the message, it is crucial and critical that you get it. You can get a free DVD and CD at a resource. You can go to our app and get it free. You can go to our website and get it free, faithpromise.org, and you can get it. But So I always say this, if you were here last weekend do you think the people that missed need to get that message on confession from last weekend? Would you all agree with that? How many? Come on. So, get it. It's critical to your victory and to really winning this year So because we're building on a foundation. So, it's huge. So, let me ask some questions. Who's reading the book without? Anybody reading it? Come on, all right. Who began with us the Bible reading plan for the year? Let me hear you. All right. Anybody fasting in the 21-day fast in any way? Okay, you, see, you notice it got, it's getting weaker. Have y'all felt that? Yeah, yeah. fasting, wait, come on, really? Are you serious? Yes, I'm really serious. And have you made, in the book, in the daily declaration called a homologia, or, you know, a daily confession, is anybody confessing the faith promises every day? Anybody, anybody doing that? Now, <clears throat> let's be real. Is that a little uncomfortable? Of course it is. Absolutely it is. You know, my my boys were little. They grew like weeds. It was unbelievable how they grew. And so whenever we bought them new shoes, we'd buy them a size too big. Because if we bought them the the size they fit, they wouldn't wear the shoe out before the shoe would be too small. Does that make sense? So we'd buy them a size too big. We'd give them to them. And they'd say, these shoes don't feel right. And we'd say, don't worry. You'll grow into them. Well, those of you that are doing some uncomfortable spiritual disciplines, hey, don't worry, you'll grow into them. You'll grow into them. Because listen, at Faith Promise, we are going to keep you uncomfortable. Matter of fact, it's our goal to afflict the comforted and to comfort the afflicted. So if you're going to grow to your full potential, you've got to continually stretch outside your little comfortable box. Is that right? So as long as you're here, I'm a driver, I'm a pusher. I used to push drugs, now I push Jesus. So man, I'm going to push as hard as I can push. And so that's what we do, keep you growing. Now, one more thought, and then we're going to dive in the message. You know, we, we, we don't take up an offering of fake promise, so we go lots of times, so we don't, never talk about offerings or money. And, but, but let me just say, the J months, January, June, and July, are always the worst months of our giving to God. And so, think with me if you can figure out why. What do we do in January? We pay off Christmas. What do we do in June and July? We'll go on vacation. So, we take God's tithe money and don't give it to Him and we vacation. In December, we take God's tithe money to buy Christmas presents for people that we don't like to celebrate the birth of Jesus. <laughs> is that weird only to me? Is that odd? Of course it's odd. So let's, let's, let's beat that this year, and you started great. By the way, last weekend, largest regular weekend offering in the history of the church. So you started great. Let's keep rolling. Let's keep rolling. Now, last weekend, if you were here, we started on offense. We have started an offense. We've taken God's playbook, and we have launched an aggressive A growth plan to grow in our faith. Now, whenever you launch an offense, the devil is going to launch a demonic what? Defense. That's exactly right. And so some people say, Pastor, I don't understand. Why does the devil always resist me? Why does he attack me? Well, if God wants you to walk this way, the devil wants you to walk this way. So if the devil's never opposing you, could it be that you're walking with him and not against him? So, so, we're, so we're, we've, we've made a deliberate decision, a willful choice that we're gonna grow in our faith. So we put ourselves on offense. What I wanna talk about this week is to be ready for the demonic defense. So let me give you a couple thoughts. These are tweetable, Instagrammable, Pinterestable, Periscopable, Facebookable. Let's take social media and let's fill out it with Jesus and what God is doing, amen. So here's a thought, number one. The devil is the number one dispenser of doubt in the universe. Who would agree with that? Anybody agree with that? Absolutely. Okay, we realize the devil's the number one dispenser of doubt. Number two, second thought, doubt is in direct opposition to your faith. Doubt erodes your faith. So God wants you to increase in your faith, and the devil wants you to decrease in your faith. The devil knows that without faith you can't please God, so he will dispense doubts in you, on you, around you, and through you to erode your faith so that you can't walk with God. Does that make sense? Direct opposition. Now, if you began with us this year, the the Bible reading plan... Then you read Matthew, I mean you read Genesis chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4 together. So in my quiet time, I was reading these passages when God sort of birthed this message in my heart. Now, Genesis 3 is the fall of man. Matthew 4 is the warfare between Jesus and the devil, a full frontal attack. That's what's, that's what's going on. Now, these passages are not just are not just important because they're historical and theological significance in the framework of the fall of mankind and in the warfare of the devil. They're actually, for me, more importantly, a preparation. They're, they're a provision and protection to get us ready for the onslaught of doubt that the devil wants to dispense in us. Does that make sense? if I with me? So that's the deal. We all want our faith to increase, and hell stands in stark opposition to that. It's going on. Hell knows without faith, you can't please God. So that's what's happening. I love what John Maxwell said in a book I'm reading, uh, "Intentional Living," about faith. God wants us to see the invisible, so we can do the what? The impossible. That's what God wants us to do. It's fine, and so that's going to bother some of y'all that's laying there. I love to bother people. So. In Genesis chapter 3, let's read this together because this is so important in your theological context, so important historically and so important today. Now, the serpent was more crafty. If, in my Bible, that word is circled. More crafty than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And, the, and he said to the woman, it's shocking that Eve isn't stunned talking to a snake. <laughs> it's a whole other sermon for another day. And he said to the woman, now, I want you to listen. See, when you read your Bible, listen, don't read your Bible to finish. When my boys were young, I gave them projects. Every day they had chores. Every Saturday they had lots of chores. If they had their friends spend the night, their friends had chores. Or they went home. Either way was good with me. <laughs> Matter of fact, I could tell their friends whose fathers didn't make them do chores because they didn't know how to work. So they had friends that didn't know how to work because they grew up in my house and I made them work. They'll thank me later. And so, I would give my boys chores. And when I finish the list, this is what I say. Now, boys, listen. It don't work to get them done. Work to do them right. Does that make sense? Because if you're only worried about getting finished, I'm going to make you redo it because it's going to suck when you're done. When you read your Bible, don't just read your Bible to get finished. Read your Bible to hear God. So, think with me. Here's the passage. The serpent. And the serpent said, indeed, think about this, indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now, God didn't say you can't eat from any tree of the garden, did he? He's already trying to twist Eve. And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it nor touch it, or you will what? Die. She's pretty emphatic. This is what God said. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Surely. As the hiss of the serpent. You surely will not die. Because let me tell you something, Eve. God knows that the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. See, again, don't just try to finish... That passage to get to the next to so a check box on your check on your Bible reading pran, plan. Try to hear from God. See, He knows that you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, twice in one sentence she saw it. She saw it was good. She saw it's a delight. Let me put a parenthesis here, ladies. Let me talk to you for just a second about your eyes. Let me help you. Matter of fact, if I had an hour, I'd preach on this right here. Women are messed up by what they see in the mirror. Women look in the mirror and see a distorted view. If you look in the mirror, what you should see is a beautiful, wonderful woman of God made in the image of God, delighted by the hand of God, favored by God. That's what you should see. That's not what women see, is it? I'm overweight, I don't look right, this is out of proportion, that's why, that's why women have eating disorders, that's why all that kind of stuff, they look in the mirror and they have a distorted image because the devil attacks women with their eyes. She saw that it was good for fruit. She saw that it was the delight to make her wise and she ate. Ladies, listen to me. Do not let Hollywood, listen, Hollywood is filled with narcissistic, self-centered Egotistical, absolute psychopaths. They can't stay married. They don't, they're just absolute. Listen, listen, listen. And yet, are we gonna let them, Hollywood, tell women what is attractive? That is dumb as a stick. Men, it's dumb for us too. Because you know what? It changes. You go back to the 1700s, look at every canvas of a naked woman. They're all plump. Every one. There's no 26-inch waist. There's not one. Then you go to the 40s, and there's, what, a 16-inch waist? (gasps) And see, it changes. Why hit a moving target? Accept God just the way he made you. Are you with me, ladies? Come on. Man, if I had time, I'd preach on this. I'll tell you, I'd, I'd get all into this. And the tree was as able to make one wise. She took of his fruit, ate it and gave it to her idiot husband. I mean, to her husband <laughs> with her. And he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. Do you know that they didn't ever ate that fruit? We'd all be naked right here this morning. <laughs> and we wouldn't know that we were naked. We wouldn't be checking each other out, we wouldn't even notice it because we'd be innocent. So they sewed fig leaves together, made themselves loin, uh, loin coverings. They heard about the sound. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden, the cool of the day, and so they hid themselves in, from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called the man and said, "Where are you?" Since this day, we've been making masks and hiding from God ever since. Some of us have been wearing a mask so long we don't actually really know who we are anymore. Because we think the world will reject who God made us, and so we project another image. And we don't really project who God made us. So we're, so we're a sad second to the first that God actually made us. this makes sense? Are, are you with me? So still, now let's go to the parallel passage, several thousand years future. Let's look at Jesus in the same setting virtually as Eve was in. Jesus was led up by the Spirit Into the wilderness to be tempted. The devil will tempt you to destroy you, and God will test you to bless you. If you're a Christ follower and you're increasing in your faith, God will always test your faith. Does that make sense? It's coming. You'll pass some, you'll fail some. Keep growing. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. Then the tempter came. I want you to listen to something. If you're listening, say, I am. The devil knows when to attack you. The devil only kicks you when you're down. When you are tired, when you are hungry, when you are spiritually weak, when you are sick, when you're physically weak, when your marriage is struggling, when you're struggling with some physical disease, when, when you're struggling at work, when you're broke, when you're not sure about the future. The enemy knows you're weak, and that's when he launches his sabos of doubt. Are you with me? There, listen, some of you are doing fasting for the first time, which is thrilling. And you're fasting one meal a day and you think you're going to die and it's been seven days. <laughs> Jesus fasts completely food, water for 40 days. He said, that can't happen. Oh, it can. Trust me. And the tempter came and said, if you're the son of God. Did the devil know whether Jesus was the son of God or not? Sure he did. If you're the son of God. See, the devil was trying to interject doubts into the human side of Jesus. Fully human, fully divine, he was trying to interject doubts. If you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said what? See, the devil always says if, and Winters always says it's written. If, oh no, it's written, if, oh no, it's written, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple 400 feet off the ground and said, if you're the son of God, second time, if you're the son of God, then throw yourself down for it is written, he command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Understand that the serpent knows scripture. You realize that? He's using the word against the word, not a great plan. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, what? You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, I want you to notice something. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve fell and sinned, dominion left from Adam and Eve, which God gave dominion, and Satan took dominion because we fell. And so for recorded history, up until Easter, the devil had dominion. But when Jesus paid for our sins, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, when Jesus descended into the lower parts, and Jesus took the keys away from the devil, Jesus took the dominion back. So now, with that theological truth, understand something. If you're to say, I am. The only thing the devil can do to you is lie. He doesn't have any power, but he will lie. So, all the kingdoms. Remember, Lucifer wanted the the worship of the Father in heaven. That's why he fell to begin with. Then Jesus said it to him. Jesus said it to him. Go, Satan, for what? It is written, you shall shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the angels, then then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and began to minister to him. I want to give you three thoughts out of these two parallel passages. Are you ready? Number one, you got to get this. Listen, this will help you the rest of your life. Number one, the devil wants you to doubt the Word of God. Well, are the first 11 chapters of Genesis really historically true? Or is that, a, is that just symbolic, literary literary ages to teach the spiritual truth? Did Jesus really come out of the grave? Did the axe head really float from the bottom to the top of the pond? Are all those miracles true, or are they just are, are they just fantasies, stories of Jews made up sitting by the campfires to, to try to keep their, orally keep their traditions alive? Did the walls of the Jericho really fall? What's the, did those things really happen? I was at a seminar when I was in seminary about the dating of the Exodus, and there was a, a theological pre, uh, president of a theological school gave a talk that Jericho and Ai never really happened, that they were already defeated before the Israel ever left. And he's big, muckety-muck, all these letters, and I ran into him in the elevator. I said, excuse me, sir, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I know you're heading to the reception. Could I ask you one question? He said, sure, son, what's that? I said, what's it like to read the Bible and not believe it? And he patted me on the head. He said, son, when you grow up, you'll understand. I don't ever want to grow up and doubt the word of God. Amen. Come on, ever, ever, ever. But what happens, if the, if the devil gets you doubting any part of the word, he'll weaken the word in your heart. And once he weakens the word in your heart, then doubts can flood, and faith flees in the face of doubts. Churches, denominations, and movements of God, most of them have died because they went from a rock-solid, red-hot word to a weakened word. And when you weaken the word, you weaken your faith. Does this make sense? The word of God is the anchor for us. John eight thirty-two. Jesus said, And you shall know the what? The truth, the word of God, and the truth will make you what? Free, man. You got to know the truth to be free. Jesus defeated the devil in Matthew 4 because Jesus stood on an authoritative word. It is written. It is written. It is written. He stood with more authority than he stood. Matter of fact, when he said it is written, it is written, it is written. In the Greek, that word is garapho or garapha. We get our word graffiti from that word. It means to write down, to inscribe, or to write with an iron stylus. It is my prayer that God would take the Holy Spirit and write his word on every one of our hearts. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not see it, It's the study to show yourself approved to work with that need it not be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. My word is tested in a fire seven times. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Jesus said not a jot or a tittle will pass away until all the word of God is accomplished. I pray he would write it on all of our hearts in Jesus' name. Are you with me? Number two, can you handle it? Are you ready? Number two, the devil wants you to doubt the character of God. So what does he do? He approaches Eve. Did God say you can't eat from all the trees? No, just the one tree, he said. And then the devil said, you surely will not die. For God knows in the day that you eat of the tree, you'll be like him. See, He couldn't get Eve to doubt what God had said, so he made Eve Eve doubt God's character. Well, yeah, God said it, but what about His character? See, Eve, the devil is holding you back. The devil's holding you back from a bigger, better life. The devil's keeping you back from fun, girl. Let me tell you, got some fun out there. Eat that tree. You go have some fun. The only thing you get, you miss when you turn away from sin is sin, sorrow, sadness, and death. Man, you don't miss anything by loving and following the plan of God for your life. But people say, this marriage, this deal. Man, tithing's holding me back. If I quit giving to God, I'd have more. Are you with me? Come on, is anybody out there? See, I did, we, we doubt God's character. We doubt God's plan. See, God wanted to be the one to teach Adam and Eve good and evil Not eat it from the tree. That's what I hear all the time. Well, I hear it everywhere. Well, if God was good, then why? Y'all ever heard that? If God was good, then why? If God was good, then why is there terrorism? Why is there death? Why is there cancer? Why is there rape? Why is there child abuse? Why was there a holocaust? Why, why, why? You know what we do? We let hell loose on earth in Genesis 3 when we sinned, when Adam and Eve, our great-great-grandparents sinned, and then we blame God for it. Are y'all with me? Listen, can you hear the hiss of the crafty serpent in the ears dispensing doubt to erode our faith? You can't believe the word and you can't believe the character of God because hell knows without faith it's impossible to please God and hell does not want you to please God. Does this make sense? Doubt the word of God, doubt the character. One more thing. Can you stand one more? Here we go, one more. The devil wants you to doubt your standing with God. Matthew 3, 4, 3. If you're the son of God. Was Jesus the son of God? Did Jesus know it? Did the devil know it? But the devil's always dispensing doubt. If you're the son of God. Makes you doubt your salvation. Well, if you're really saved, would you have said that? If you're really saved, would you talk to your kids that way? If you're really saved, would you have talked to your wife that way? If you're really saved, would you have done that in traffic the other day? The devil's always dispensing doubt. Let me tell you, the devil make you doubt your church. Well, all that man... All that church cares about its numbers. You know, I loved it when I came three or four years ago, but faith promise has changed. I know we've changed. There's 1,500 more people. 780 people got baptized, gave the arts of Jesus last year. More students, more children, more ministry, more groups, more people getting set free. Oh, yeah, we're different. We're better in Jesus' name. But, oh, our church has changed. And guess what? Makes you doubt. You'll uproot yourself in this church, go to another in three or four years. Well, this church is not the same either. We get up, we go to another one. We stay there three or four or five years, and guess what happens? Well, this church has changed too. So we get up, and none of those churches ever changed. The devil made you doubt them. Because the devil knows if you're planted in the house, you'll flourish. So he wants to keep on planting you. Are you with me? Are are, are you all out there? Here's the deal. Make you doubt salvation, make you doubt church, make you doubt the pastor. Well, all I preach wants is my money. All he cares about is numbers and money. No, all I care about is you meeting God, loving God, honoring God, and achieving your full potential. That's all I care about in Jesus' name. Because if you do that, we won't be able to hold all the people that God will bring. But oh now listen, if you can doubt the pastor. I can I can, I can get advice you through One more churches, in Knoxville. Those guys are way better than me. Because you know what, man, I fail, I'm human, I botch it, I do stupid stuff, I wish I didn't do. Are y'all with me? But I never doubt my standing with my father. See, so he goes, let me tell you something, I didn't even think about this, all those services. See, when, if, if you're born into a family, then you, you might can doubt, do my parents love me? But when you're adopted, do they pick you. They picked you. The new just got back from Haiti, flew to Haiti and picked little Lucius up. Do you know who's the favorite in the, in the Newton home? It's little Lucian. I'm talking about all lily-white, blonde, toe-head kids and mom and dad. Yeah, one little black baby. Who's, who, do you think is the, who do you think is king of that house? Little Lucian's king of that house. You know why? Because they picked him. And let me tell you, you weren't born a son or a daughter of God. When you, get born, when you were born again, you were adopted. God picked you. Do not ever doubt your standing with God. Don't believe God doesn't love you. He chose you. He bought you. He paid for you. But see, if you doubt, then this is what will happen. Well, who am I to homologia in the book? Who am I to confess these promises of God? Who am I to do that? Who, who, who am I? Who am I to, let me tell you who you are. You're a holy, you, we, are a, we are a holy nation. We are kings and priests unto our God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. If we believe the Word of God, we could confess and we, can, we could stand on the Word of God. Are y'all with me? Understand, though, the king cobra of hell will twist the Scriptures to infect, to, 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 to douse us with doubt. Does this make sense? But God said, heaven and earth will pass away, but not a jot or tittle will fail of my word. Adam and Eve fell in a perfect environment. Listen, you could have written the whole Bible in Eve's palm, three verses, and they blew it. They they were in a perfect environment. You're not in a perfect environment. As a matter of fact, you're in an anti-Christ culture. Do do y'all recognize that? Now, let me tell you what some of y'all believe erroneously. Y'all believe it was a Christian culture in the 40s and 50s. It was an antichrist culture. Oh, no, no. Bless God, we believed back then. Really? And blacks and whites couldn't go to church together? And blacks sit in the back of the bus? And couldn't drink of a water fountain a white person drank from? It was better back then? Ask the African-Americans if they think it was better in the 50s. See, we look in the past and think it, it was better back then, and we look today and say it's worse today. It's been anti-Christ Since John the Baptist said there were antichrists, there are antichrists, and there will be antichrists. It's always been an antichrist culture. So we have an antichrist culture. We live in a a world that we are bombarded with doubts every day. Millions of messages from Hollywood, from from politics, from, from rock and roll, from the music, from everything around us bombards us every day with doubt. When you leave your house in the morning, you take a swan dive into the deep end of the doubt pool. Because that's the culture we live in. Are you with me? Are y'all listening? Are you okay? See, the devil's all around us hissing in our ears. Doubts of God's word. Doubts of God's characters, and doubts of where you stand with God. So how do we win? I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you this. I'm already past time. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by what? And hearing by the word of Christ. That's why I put the homology in the book I wrote for you so every day you'll stand up and boldly, verbally, willfully confess the word of God. Just like Jesus said, it is written, you will confess it. Uh, Those that come to God must believe that God is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus won by saying it is written. That's why you need to learn the word of God. That's why you need to be in a small group, adults for support, for encouragement, for prayer and care. That's why you need to have a quiet time every day to prepare your heart and mind to go out in this doubt-filled world. That's why you need a personal growth plan. That's why you need a supernatural saturation of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. So when Lucifer hisses in your ear, you'll know it's a lie, and you'll say, it is written. We always defeat the devil with it is written. You don't beat the devil by philosophy. You don't beat the devil by argument. You beat the devil and his lies by saying it is written. Are we people of the book? Somebody help me. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. I said it last weekend. The key key is consistency. We have a record attendance this weekend. Everybody be back next week and bring somebody with you. And then come back next week and come back next week. And somewhere in the next quarter when I preach about money, keep coming. Keep coming. Are you with me? Are you with me? Keep coming. Because, see, let me tell you what it's the miracle of compounding interest. Do you know the biggest building in in downtown Knoxville? It's a bank. Do you know the biggest building in downtown Nashville? It's a bank. You know the biggest building in downtown Memphis? It's a bank. You know the biggest building in every town and every city in America? It's a bank. You know why? Because they understand the principle of compounding interest. Guess what? You buy a $100,000 house. You borrow the $100,000 from the bank. You pay the bank $300,000. They make $200,000 and you get a $100,000 house and they build a bigger building. Let's flip that around spiritually. Are you with me? Compounding interest. You get up, you have a quiet time. You work on your personal growth plan. You confess the promises. It's uncomfortable. You feel weird. You do it the next day. It gets easier. You do it the next day. And about the time you get comfortable, I'm going to throw another curveball at you and give you something else more uncomfortable. And you're going to grow in about another year. You're going to say, well, I feel stronger, man. God's doing something. In five years, you'll be in a place you never dreamed in 25 years. You will have changed your legacy and changed a generation because, why? we grow every single day. Consistency and Faithfulness. anybody believe that? Come on, let's do it. So, woo! I gotta end the kids, people. Man, one of the services shouted out, "Keep preaching!" I said, "The," I said, "And your, your kids are back there. They've got four kids workers tied up in a closet." <laughs> so here's the deal. Let me ask you a question. Hey, how of you been standing up, preacher? I, I know you're fired up. I know the devil's been hammering me with doubts. Just lift your hand, hold it up. Come on, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. Hold it up. Holy Spirit of God, Jesus, you said the Spirit of God would guide us into all truth. He would comfort us. God, we're in a dilemma in this doubt-filled world. And we need to be saturated with the Holy Spirit We need to to understand and walk in the truth of the word of God. Your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. And oh God, we're believing you to open our eyes, expose us to where Lucifer's attacking us. We will stand with it is written. Help us believe, help us thrive, help us revive. God move, set the enemy aflight. He has no power, all he has is lies. Let us stand on the authoritative, infallible word of God, not bending, bowing, but we will stand for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, somebody give him some praise. Now, now, some of you have been struggling about whether you're really a Christian or not. Am I really a believer? Matt? I don't know. I don't struggle. Listen, let's nail it down right now. Next week, can you get baptized? And let's move forward in Jesus' name. Are you ready? Some With every head bowed, every eye closed, some of you are struggling with this. Right now, surrender your life up to Jesus. We're going to pray out loud with you. Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned and blown it so many times. Forgive me. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the grave. You paid for my sins. I receive you into my heart. I confess you as Lord of my life. Help my faith grow. Destroy my doubts. Help me walk in victory. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, somebody give him some praise. All right. Here's the deal. If you just gave your heart to Jesus, take the communication card in front of you, fill it out, put it in the offering box, or take it to the next steps. If you're not in an adult group and you don't want to miss what's happening in this series with the mini alignment, go to our next steps. Whatever you need, put it on that card, put in the offering, or go to next steps. Hey, we're we going to be faithful. Now I want you to look. Listen, listen. We've got part of the grandstands up. See it back there? Our field. Next week, let's have people on the other side. Listen, January, we're going to soar. It's going to be our baseline, and we're going to be our launching to our greatest year. We're going to defeat hell. Does heaven win? Then walk this week in victory. Prayer people here for you. Be blessed. See you next weekend.